Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Uh, this edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire. And I got the guys here all in the same room back over here at the Moving Iron Summit. And we've got... Uh, all the sales guys here, and uh, good to see you guys again. Glad you guys can make the trip. Good to see you, Casey. Yep. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. So let's run around the table real quick. Everybody tell you who you are and, and what area you covered. Garrett, go ahead. Grant Felton, Plains Territory. Okay. Steve Schumacher, Minnesota, North Dakota, and uh, Canada. Uh, I'm Mike Lewis. I'm from the West Tech, uh, Territory, and I cover uh, British Columbia as well. Okay. I'm Roy, the sales manager for the Axon Group. And Mike Diener here, I handle the Northeast Territory okay. of the U.S. Tim Shelton, I handle Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee. Okay. And John Kennedy, I cover the Southeast. Right on. Okay. So we have uh, all of North America covered here. So you guys are talking to a lot of different people, a lot of different places. Um, Roy, let's just let's just start here. So I guess as you're looking at all the stuff you see happening right now and all the kind of year in kind of heading in that last quarter of the year what are some of the conversations you hear you're hearing out there with your with your guys yeah i think we're seeing and these guys can talk a little bit into it um, different territories are seeing some um, inventory of machinery on the ground um, and then you got a lot of the guys talking about 
different things coming in still from the previous backlog. All that being said, I think there's uh, some good positives in the industry. We're seeing them pick up. You know, it slowed down a little bit, and um, I think, you know, starting end of August, it started picking up a bit. Mm-hmm. Starting in September, starting out fairly well for us, and I think that's going to be, you know, a good indicator how the year is going to finish. We hope. Yeah. Uh, there's just some good positive things always that were out there. Uh, you just got to look for them. It's been a little different for us. We've had to kind of hunt down some of those unique areas where we can get some of the stuff from. But all that being said, like it's just unique, but we're going after it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. Uh... This year's been an odd year when you look at the weather patterns that we've seen and how those kind of come together. And it's been a very, there's been a very hard line right down the middle of the country, right? You know, you even in Canada, I mean, it's right down the middle where you've got the western half finally got some rain, uh, more so than they've had in the past five or six years. Eastern side is suffering for some drought and what we're seeing there. So let's uh, let's kind of do this. So Garrett, you're you're in the plains, you're in kind of my neck of the woods where things have been somewhat wet, and and uh, you look at I always tell people, like in Nebraska, there's a hard line that runs, starts about Kearney and goes north and south. And if, depending on what side of that line you're on, you're either really, really wet or really, really dry. Got some late um, late summer rains. You know, that late July time frame, there was a week there where it rained pretty good. But for the most part, it's been fairly dry. As you cover your territory, what are you seeing out there? One of the things I've never seen before <clears throat> is bailing up beans in Kansas. I know that they're probably pretty used to that, but... Being from Missouri, I've never seen that. It's definitely, the weather patterns are in sprockets. I mean, central Missouri, Kansas, southern part, mm-hmm. but you get out to northeast Colorado, they're doing great if they didn't get hailed on, and then Montana's doing awesome. They're yeah. rocking and rolling. Yep. But it's, yeah, it's very scattered out. Yep. It's, it's even the, those areas where it's got the, the, the rain is at, it's very pocketed, it seems like, in some places. It's widespread, but... Mm-hmm. You could go 100 mile radius and they're pretty wet, and then go another 100 mile radius over to the north, south, east, or west, and it could be really, really dry, just depending on where you're at. Right. There were some crucial rains that a lot of everyone missed. Like I know personally in Central Missouri, we, we missed one during pollination, and mm-hmm. cornfield looks pretty, but there ain't no ears out there. Yeah, yeah, and that's I've been hearing that a lot. John, let's talk about what's happening in the southeast, which is a little bit different. They've had a fairly Particular parts have been pretty wet, but it's been so blessed hot down there that I don't know how anyone can breathe when they're down there. But talk a little bit about yeah. what you're seeing down there. It's been a it's been a trying summer. We probably we've had I'm fixing to be 52 years old, and it's been the hottest, driest summer that I can ever remember. I mean, we were rocking on six, seven weeks, 102, 103 plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we hit a record of like 108 or 109, and it just it's it's wreaked havoc. Um, on the state of Louisiana, for sure. I traveled to South Louisiana last, well, this past week, and uh, talked with guys that farmed anything from sugarcane to rice to soybeans, even crawfish. Mm-hmm. I mean, South Louisiana, after the uh, the rice harvest, they grow crawfish, yeah. which is a huge cash crop down there. And <clears throat> Sugarcane, lots of sugarcane down there, and probably at least 50% of the sugarcane crop down there is lost. I mean, it's gone. Uh, those guys have not seen a year like this in probably a couple of decades. And um, 
So that's really not good uh, for those guys in the sugarcane industry. Beans, they do grow beans as a subsidy crop down there. No rain, uh, there will be no bean harvest. Uh, and like I said, even crawfish, when you have no ground moisture, you mm -hmm. gotta have water in the ground for crawfish to grow. And and honestly, that is, besides sugarcane in the, in the South, Yeah, that is the largest moneymaker in, in South Louisiana, and that's crawfish. Yeah. So that's, they, there will be some uh, crawfishing going on this year, but it won't be what it has been, and the prices will probably go through the roof. North Louisiana, where I live, the yields on corn looked really good this year, but there was a side effect that all that heat, they lost yeah. moisture, yeah. and the tonnage went down, so yeah. uh, they did lose money there. But overall, North Louisiana was really good. Um, just the excessive heat, man. I mean, that really wreaked ha havoc on us. The bean crop, they're just really getting started on bean harvest in North Louisiana, so that's yet to be determined on what the yield's gonna look like on that. But uh, yes, just, it's been a tough year. I know I talked to some customers in South Florida, uh, be down there in a couple of weeks, and they're still rocking and rolling down there. There's a, yeah. you know, they're very, very diverse in South Florida, but uh, from the sound of it, they're doing very good. But as far as the rest of the Southeast, I hear Georgia, uh, South Carolina, the uh, the crops out there look really good, but you know they've had some hurricane. They've had yeah. quite a bit of rain, and then mm -hmm. had the hurricane to deal with. So, um, she had to be determined what they look like. But yeah. in general, it's kind of all over the board in the southeast. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So, Mike, let's talk about California. California was dry as a bone. You had Lake Mead drying up. You had all these different things in, in these bigger reservoirs that we saw in the southeast or the southwest, and you know. A lot of that stuff's come back. You know, you're starting to see some good moisture come through. Talk about what you're seeing in that part of the world. Yeah, well, we have had a pretty good lot of rain over the winter. Obviously, mm -hmm. the snowpack is phenomenal and still still bringing down a lot down the rivers. However, they still say California's still in drought. I mean, I don't know sure. when it's ever going to be out. Right. Having said that, I mean, we see up in Oregon and Washington the same. You know, mm -hmm. they had. They've got pockets of dry, and right. Idaho's similar again. They've got pockets where they had some really good moisture, and the crops are all going to be pretty good this year as far as yields is what we're seeing. Um, things that have changed so drastically for us, and when you've got like the whole Tulare Lake coming in, mm -hmm. obviously it hadn't been there for years, and that got flooded, massive area of around the Cochrane area. As a result of that, one of the biggest farms that does tomatoes isn't able to meet his quota. So they've been renting land all over the place and putting row crop in, put tomatoes in. So um, it's been a lot of diversity and changing from, shifting from um, different crops. And as we know, the almonds have taken a hit the can in the market, walnuts mm -hmm. hit the can. So yeah. it's there's so much diversity <clears throat> going on, changing around with stuff right now. Um, with the, especially I mean, we know Nevada doesn't really do a whole lot um, in the ag market. There is things it does, but it's, it, there's pockets there, and it's very dry and a little desert out there. And then Utah, with the with the hay market's very big, still continues to be. Mm -hmm. um, and the same in Arizona. They, they, they're going to get some good yields down there. Yeah. But yep. it's, it, it's dry again down there, yeah. of course, and the excessive heat, John was saying, in the south southeast. Yeah. It's been just that heat kind of came on late in the West. Usually we have a, a heat all the time, but it kind of started out cool and nice, and it kind of just 
screwed up. I was just in uh, Southern California a couple of weeks ago and and went through the area right where that Hurricane Hillary came through. Yeah. And I mean the devastation in some of those towns like Palm Desert, um, Indio, right through there. There's there's a lot of um, date palms and um, some some bell peppers are all grown down there. A lot of that was severely damaged. Um, a lot of water just came through a very short space of time with nowhere to, for it to go and mm-hmm. just mud piled up everywhere and sand and just a lot of, lot of devastation. Um, one area in the Central Valley, their annual precipitation is about four inches and they got that in one hour. So right. you can imagine what do they do with this water sure. all of a sudden. Yeah. Yep. As you look at like, so you cover Quebec, let's talk about that. Um, you're looking at what that looks like in that area. That's Stephen. I'm sorry. British Columbia. British Columbia. I'm sorry. My apologies, Canada. (laughs) But as you're looking at at British Columbia, I mean, some of that stuff coming, they've they've done some decent moisture in that area, but there's still like pocketed areas that are just really drying up. Last year was a massive thing for them. Yeah. Got all those floods, Mm -hmm. or maybe it was the year before now. So they're still recovering from that up there. Um, Some of that farmland was ruined and some of it's never even going to go back to farmland yeah. um, because most of the stuff in, that's grown in British Columbia is either in you know pretty much only about 50 to 60 miles south of you know or just, sorry north of the border let's right. say and then there's a little bit up in the extreme north where mm-hmm. they grow a lot of hay and some wheat and stuff up there but yeah it's yeah it's a different market again there's a lot nope. of dairy up there so nope growing corn and stuff yeah for sure for sure <laughs> stick with canada Stephen. what are you seeing up in with your customers in the part of canada that you cover i, I guess uh starting <clears throat> you know west to east the um you know alberta saskatchewan manitoba the, the further the further east you know further east you travel uh, the drier the drier it gets and then a little bit south so in other words the montana north dakota border would be pretty would be uh, the driest areas that we got uh ontario is probably a, in canada uh, ontario is probably the most um is has the best uh prospect of of, of, of uh yields of, of everything but and it's extremely diverse you know you got tobacco ranges of tobacco hay a lot of dairy uh they got uh, uh, grain crops there they got the wheat they got the they got corn. I mean, I, I'm amazed. And the crops were good when I was up there uh, probably last time, five or six weeks ago. Five weeks ago, I believe. Looked very, very good. By far the, the healthiest Ontario, uh, south southwest, and um, by far the healthiest. Um, Minnesota, spotty um, in terms of the cropland. And there's pockets where... It's been pretty decent. North Dakota, they had they were a couple weeks ago. I was up there taking off wheat at roughly 60, 70 bushel an acre on their wheat. So there's they're getting their crop in. They're getting uh, so the the level of optimism is 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 somewhat guarded um, because because the final determination hasn't been made yet. But so but it, it's not devastating. And surprisingly, as dry as it has been, or the lack of rain that we have had, uh, it's it we we were able to get um, enough early on, and then 
Uh, Mid-August, we got some to kind of finish it off a little bit, so it kind of greened things up, even though uh, that might be a little bit too late. But in essence, uh, the, 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 process, or the attitude is, is still decent. You know, they're pretty, the optimism is, is, uh, is, is pretty decent. Um, it was a calm summer. We didn't have any storms. Really didn't have any storms. Nothing. It was a very calm, by far one of the calmest uh, seasons, summer grow, growing seasons I think we've ever had. Yeah. In terms of no wind, tornadoes, or anything like that. So, mm -hmm. in that respect, uh, pretty good. We had some forest fires to deal with up in Canada, of course. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that didn't really impact anything on the farmland things. But overall, like I said, I think uh, the the crops are coming in. Um, certainly not bumpering in, in, in by any means. However, they're getting something. Yeah. They are getting something. And uh, the the dealers, I think, are having. It's the the overall attitude is the op, is some guarded optimism with um, you know with uh, some. They're anticipating some strong activity this fall. Yeah, they really are t anticipating some. So they got the inventory. They're ready to roll. They're um, so they're uh, they're welcoming this. You know, within thirty days. Yeah, I think the action is really gonna really gonna heat up for the dealers. Yep, I really do. Awesome. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Let's talk about the Northeast. It's been a really interesting year. Started out in um, the Wisconsin and Michigan was really dry starting out. Um, Michigan had very little rain to no rain for several months after planting. Um, some crops were germinated, and then there was parts of fields that nothing germinated and. Uh, the, you know, you could go out and dig up the seed and it looked like it just came out of the bag. It just, mm -hmm. There was no moisture whatsoever. And then they did get some moisture and then, so the crops were at two different stages, which is always a challenge. Um, and then there's certain areas that didn't even get that, so they just let the fields go. But um, the wheat was a little bit better than they expected. Being so dry, it was quite a bit shorter, so they didn't have much straw. But the I don't remember, don't know exact bushels, but it was a little bit better than what they anticipated, so it was good. But um, as far as the corn and beans, it looks it looks looks okay. It's not um, a little bit better than they anticipated it being as, as dry as it started out. Um, but then there's certain areas it seems like they didn't get any any rain whatsoever, and then it seemed like if you were in a good path, you got you got a decent amount of rain, and then. In Ohio, it looks really good far as crop-wise. Um, was there last week? They need a little bit of rain to finish out the beans. It'd be good, but um, everything looks really, really, really good out there. We'll see what it comes in at. As long as it looks good in the field, it doesn't only counts when it's in the bin. That's right. Yep. Very much so. All right. So you. Tim, I'm new. Well, no, but I'm trying to remember. Did Indiana, you Indiana, Kentucky, Kentucky and Tennessee. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, so. so Indiana, let's talk Indiana a little bit. Indiana was on the Pro Farmer Crop Tour, and it was, um, depending on where you're at, uh -huh. it was really, really good. And depending on where you're at, it was really, really bad. And that's what it was. It was very spotty. Yep. Um, as I said, I'm new, so I'm still getting around to talk sure. to everybody. And, sure. Uh, um, the reports I've gotten so far is like, you know, you'll be at a dealership. Oh, it's great here, but you go, you know, yeah. three miles down the road and, and they're having trouble. They didn't get that rain we got. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, I see a lot of that in Indiana. Uh -huh. um, 
and in Kentucky, they, we did we did get some good rain in Kentucky, yeah. Western Kentucky. Yep. So that really helped out the crops. Yeah. Um, and and part of that went into Western Tennessee mm-hmm. too. So that really helped those guys out. Yeah. Um, so they're 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 getting ready to start uh, harvesting. Yeah. And uh, um, I think they're going to do well. Yeah. Or they think they do. Yeah. What they've said. So yeah. so uh, you know that's that's a blessing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch them play because because the reason I wanted to do all that is because just to show how much difference there is from one depending on where you're at, you could be dynamically different from one and the other, and it's not like you had to go from one end of the country to the other to find dynamic differences from state to state to state. There was incredible differences. There was one crop I did leave out that is pretty big in South Louisiana, and that's rice. Mm-hmm. Um, about half the rice crop down there didn't make because they had no irrigation. They do, don't have wells down there. They pump water out of canals. Okay. And a lot of that water comes in from the, from the bay, from the ocean. Mm-hmm. And depending on how much rain you get, to mix with that briny, brackish water depends on whether or not they can pump off those canals. And they, since they didn't get any rain this year, Oh, really? I didn't know they, that. They, oh, they oh. did not get to pump because what water was there was so salty. Yeah, it went nothing to grow. You, you, well, you can't pump it on the field. Right. You know, because it yeah. will kill the plant. Right. So, yeah, that's that's oh, one okay. crop that I did leave out for the south that is major down there. You know, there was any anything north of I 10 uh, mm-hmm. did pretty well. Anything south of I 10, uh, they, again, they pump off canals in the, the water <clears> this year. Not having any fresh water from rain, it was just too salty to yeah, use. Yeah, that's crazy. I did not know that. That is that's something neat. It's right. a good job we got some rain out our way then, John, because as a result of that, that means that they can put in the five to 600,000 acres of rice in Northern California. Yeah, you guys got a big pocket in Northern California. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, last year, go back 22, there was, that, that rice was down by 30, 40%. They only planted about 250 to 300,000 acres of rice this year. They back up, yeah. you know, five, 600,000 acres of rice. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to make good on it. They're going to make good. Well, with the price of nitrogen in the last couple of years, it's, they needed it because, yeah. I mean, you'd go out there and people in the boot hill would spread three, 400 pounds, either by a plane or whatever. A lot of crop dusting goes on up yeah. there still. Yeah. Still crop dusted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. So just kind of collectively here, as you're working with your dealer groups, how many dealer groups you talk to, obviously don't name their names or anything like that, but dealer groups that you're working with that have concern about what, as a percentage-wise, is it for the end of the year? Do you have, is, it, is there a percentage of them out there like, man, this is going to be the worst year we've ever had? Or is it, because what I'm getting from guys here at the at deal here, they're like, 23 is going to be a good year for us. We have some concern about 24. Are you guys hearing something similar to that as you go out and make your travels talking to your customers? Yeah, I'd say three quarters of my dealers would be they're going to be okay in twenty three. Yeah, and some are saying it's going to be it's a down year, a little more than they anticipated. But then, yeah, twenty four is everyone's kind of big concern. A lot of uncertainty. Yeah. I think there's yeah. some concern on the the stock of the twenty three tractors they have on the lot right mm-hmm. now, yeah. and trying to get rid of them before you know whatever the end of the year comes. Just because, and that affects the used market too. It sure. seems like that's very, very down. It's tough to find. Like I'm looking for a six series, and it's tough to find find a good used one that you know has high hours that you can afford. Yeah, yeah. My case, I 
the, the term I'd like to use are, uh, is flat. In other words, they'll be flat this year relative to last year. So that what that tells me is they're okay. Uh, the no. So now I think they're pointing more toward, you know, 23 will take care of itself. It'll, it'll end up being maybe somewhat of a flat year for them overall. But uh, 24, I think, is where they're really putting their their, their, their thought process into now. Um, and and um, that's still yet to be determined, I think, depending on how 23 finishes out. But the, the good thing is there's equipment. Mm -hmm. they, they, have, they have the inventory. For the most part, they have the inventory. So it's not a that's that's a variable that they really don't have to deal with that they might have in the past two or one or two years prior. So from that aspect, uh, they're able to to have um, you know some optimism on that end. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're seeing some of, of a little bit of that too, Stephen, and it's it's been really interesting to see the transition. Let's call it in in our markets because of the all the. The, the nuts, let's call them, the uh, the arms, pistachio, and walnuts being so down out our way. Some guys are ripping trees out right now. Um, literally, right. you see those companies that pull the trees out and put them through um, into a rotation crop. They'll do something different now. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of guys going back to row crop. Yeah. So we're getting inquiries right away. You know, instead of the 125 horsepower fives, um, you know, small frame tractor, they're going to, um, they may be asking for some bigger frame tractors for row crops. and. So that's helping our market with the tire side of things. You know, they mm -hmm. want those narrow, skinny pizza cutters um, for um, some of the row crops going back to vegetables, um, and going back to tomatoes, some of the cotton they're even going back to, yeah. um, which we know cotton in the market has been depressed many, many sure. years. Yep. And the dairies are really struggling this year, really struggling yeah. with the price of milk. So those guys have, you know, and, and I think it's been said with the dairies, you know, you have one boom year, and then five bad, six bad, seven bad years, and then another boom year. Yeah. So those guys are spending money, and we're seeing um, with the diversity of the market, people changing tractors. Lots of tractors appeared on the lot, so there's tractors to go out. Guys are having good years, yeah. but like you said earlier, 24. There's going to be there's definitely some concerns out there, yeah. and they're going to. There's guys that are worried. They're all worried. They're like, you know, what am I going to do? Interest rates are up. Mm -hmm. um, the labor is a struggle to continue to be. A sure. To get. Yeah. Um, guys are saying, you know, if we can't get the labor, we can't. We can't plant. We can't harvest. Yeah. Um, and and water. Yeah. yeah and that's always my. I feel like I'm a broken record on that subject, but. It's always a constant battle. Sure. So yep. it's, it's navigation of the water. Yep, for sure, for sure. John, what do you guys, you guys feel the same way, like 23 is going to be? 23 has <clears throat> been flat to down. Um, I, I feel it's more more on the downside. You know, a lot of guys that I've talked to said that last year was one of their best years. Mm. Um which was crazy because units were down, but numbers were up. Sure. And they're saying the same thing. I mean, Roy sent out a, uh, a memo. It was an article where Deere said that, you know, numbers were up for what, third quarter? Third quarter. Well, I was talking with one of my dealers, dealers about it, and he said, well, yeah, numbers are up, but if you go look at units, they're down. Sure. They're getting more money for less units. <clears throat> yeah. So that is a concern. The small equipment market, 
Vermont region, the southeast has come to a screeching halt. Your your small hobby farmer, uh, large you know large landowner that uses a you know 120 horse or smaller tractor, hay a lot of hay down in that area. I mean, especially with the drought. So between the drought and just that, you know, I always say that that four to seven hundred dollar a month discretionary money that people use for their toys. Mm -hmm. That's gone. The economy is just eating yeah. it up. So the small equipment market is really struggling. The large equipment will still be somewhat okay because, you know, while these farmers still have to have equipment, the big concern is whether or not with the interest rates up and the price increases, whether or not they'll actually purchase. If mm -hmm. they'll just, you know, everybody's wondering if they'll just stay in them another year. Yeah. So... There is a lot of uncertainty. Plus, guys, we have to look at it. History, we've been in this business long enough, we know. We're also coming into an election year. Sure. So anytime during an election year, there's a lot of uncertainty. And generally, anytime during an election year, business is that. Right. So that's just where I think we're kind of looking at a double whammy yeah. come, come uh, this next year. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm anticipating 24 to be... A struggle. Not a struggle is probably not the right word, but it's there's going to have a, a, a set of uh, obstacles that that are going to be different than I think we've seen in the past. Still, kind of the same thing, but they're, they're going to come at us in a different angle, and I think that's going to be what I'm thinking. Think rates are going to go up? Yeah, I think they'll raise rates one more time, one more time this year, and uh, they won't. I, I just like Tanner talked about today, Hamke from Covink. Um, I don't. I don't think they'll raise uh, anything in twenty four. Uh, I just. I don't think they hate. <clears throat> I don't think they uh, will do that just because then it's a partisan thing. All of a sudden, election year. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's put your tinfoil hat on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I, see, well, I think we'll see one more in um, in December probably, and then we'll we'll be there for a while and. Um, It'll be interesting to watch that play out because it's uh, the interest thing is getting real now, man. You start looking at at uh, the cost of equipment and what how that's associated, and then you throw these interest rates in there. You know, uh, it, it takes a lot. Yeah, and the small guys, out. when you're looking at seven percent on something used or zero for four on something new, I mean, yeah, what do you do? Yeah, that's a whole other thing too. Is the uh, is the programming aspect of new equipment versus used and what you see there. So it's a uh, any, I mean, I, the perfect case study for that is uh, right now is those compact utility tractors. I mean, you can get 0% for the foreseeable future. <laughs> right now is what it looks like on those things. But you're paying paying 7.5%, 8% or whatever it is on, on a use piece, and that's going to give you, um, when you take a look at that and you start doing the math on that, it doesn't take very long for a, you know, $27,000 something to have a similar payment to a eighteen dollars or $19,000 something. So, I mean, that makes a big difference in what you're doing. So, all that stuff comes into play, and it's just going to be a different set of headwinds to kind of navigate our way through, but what fun would it be if it was easy, right? Well, it's a dynamic, like you said, it's a yeah. dynamic right now that I'm yeah. I don't think anybody has ever seen before. Yeah, it's been, I mean, the closest thing that we'd have in, anything to this, I've, I've heard a lot of people keep saying that this is not the 1980s, and I agree, it's not. It's not 20% interest and 18% interest and 16% interest and those kind of, it's not anything like that. But it's 7.5% interest on three, four, five hundred thousand dollars and not 
15% interest on $40,000 tractors, you know. never, in for quite a long time, we've gotten comfortable with low interest rates. So oh, yeah. So this just, just sparks the uncertainty yep. of what it does. Sure. Or if you want to look at a piece of cotton equipment, a baler picker's bumping a million dollars. Right? A million bucks, yeah. They're pretty expensive. All right, Roy, you get... You're the boss, so you get the last, you get the final word. No, it's been good. Yeah. Uh, this Moving Iron Summit, um, again, I appreciate this opportunity with you, Casey. It's always good for us. Get to shake a lot of hands and meet some people. Uh, I think a lot of the presenters you've got are really good and kind of gives us some glimpses to what future could hold. We know not all of us are. Um, equipped with that magic wand, but sure. <laughs> we can uh, yep. try to see where it goes. But no, it's been good, and this, we definitely appreciate the opportunity to do this again with you. Uh, always good to see some people. So yeah, now I appreciate what you guys have done for me over the the course of the last couple of years here, and it's been a it's been a great partnership, and I really have enjoyed. What we've, what we've been able to do here so appreciate you coming to this uh to this deal here and and uh again i mean i i it's uh it's amazing what uh what i thought this was going to be when i started and what it's turned into so i i appreciate your guys to support um i've done this this meeting for 10 years and i've been doing this podcast since 2016 so well congratulations on your success so <clears throat> thanks far, man so. Kevin, it was my first year. I enjoyed it. I appreciate that, Tim. And I, I think uh, the diversity that we have come here make, makes a big difference too. You know, it's, it's not everybody from from the I states don't just show up and talk. You know, everybody from all over the place kind of kind of kind of chimes in. Or repping one manufacturer. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Exactly. What have you seen? Just, I mean, again, you told me you grew, grew this event this year. What probably about fifty people. About there's about forty five new people. Yeah. yeah. So, just in your stirring around, listening to people, mm -hmm. what kind of input are you getting as a whole from people who are attending um, just about your event here? Yeah, I think one of the things that I've heard a lot of people say, um, it's a great networking event. You know, what I mean, so you can sit in and you can talk to people about whatever, whatever it is you got going on, and there's some there's some good information that comes along with it, and I think that's the one of the things that they like the most. Um, everyone that comes here, for the most part, it does a similar has some similar lineage when it comes to what they're doing at the dealership, right? So most guys here are all value and use equipment. Um, uh, if they're not value and use equipment, they have a a say in what's going on in that that area, and um, they're all in sales somewhere right so so if you're thinking about you know kind of what that looks like if you're use equipment guy sales manager general manager those kind of things the the stuff we talk about here and stuff that comes across is going to be stuff that's pertinent to your everyday job and i think that's what we're that's what i that's what i hear from everyone is that there's so much um opportunity to put faces with names those kind of things but the the cool thing about being in used equipment i think and the equipment business as a whole is that we all have the same struggle. Um, how we handle that struggle, maybe you might like two fingers of whiskey and I might like three. That might be the difference in our how we handle that struggle. And I think that's the that's the biggest difference uh, when you're looking at, at how we do things. But ultimately, we come to the same place. And it, it's, it's, you know, what's that machine worth? What's the process look like to get there? Um, 
ultimately kind of comes out to be the same thing. You just might have a little more draw than I do when you talk. You know, I think that that might be that might be a little. Bit. Hey, you got this. And then we got the man from across the pond over there. Hey, we have it's very diverse as far as language at this table. That's right. Very true. Sure is. Very true. And talking of whiskey, it's getting about that time. It is. It is definitely getting that time. Roy, you got any final thoughts? No. Anybody else? Final thoughts or anything? No. Appreciate it. I love you guys for being here. Appreciate you guys for coming down. I love having you guys here as part of this meeting, and uh, thanks for being part of the Moving Iron Thanks, Casey. Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and go over to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Sorry, this one's not going to have a video. My camera's decided not to work today, so... You're going to have to imagine what everybody looks like. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so check that one out. Check that one out. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. And until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with the entire Axon cell staff. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher.